my peak uh, dose was a gram of test, 300 Mastron, 300 Trend, and then we brought in a high, what I consider a high dose of Vanivar at 60 a day. Um, and we were running four IUs of growth the entire prep. Okay. But towards the end of prep, we bumped, ah, let's throw that growth to six units. Okay. Ah, let's throw that growth to eight units. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally, and today we are joined by Dusty Hanshaw. What's up, Dusty? How's it going? I'm, I'm excited to be on another one of you. This will be the third show I've been on of yours. Hell yeah. Guys, all of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for high-quality third-party tested supplements from a company that you can trust. They've got everything from highly branched cyclic dextrin down to like a 60-serving bag of carbs for 20 bucks. It's all high-quality stuff. Let me know if you have any questions about their products. We are brought to you by Strong Sports Nutrition. For those of you in the UK, great health supplements. They've got some good performance stuff too. Check out their health stacks. Let Dave know if you have any questions about them. Of course, we're brought to you by SupplementSource.ca for our Canadians. Great deals that change week to week. Thank you to everybody from Patreon. We might have a couple of Patreon questions today, and if not, we'll get to them next week. And uh, last but not least, uh, EvalBloodAnalysis.com. If you're in the UK, go visit Dave. Get your lab work done. In fact, we got a lab work question uh, for you about UK stuff today, Dave. What's up, guys? Just, Dusty? Yes. I just want to apologize to Dusty for being uh, about to be severely disappointed with the quality of this this thing. <laughs> it's not the same, is it? It's not the same. Standards are incredibly low here, my friend. You will, you will see very, very quickly. <laughs> we got this comment, and I wasn't sure what to think on the previous episode. Um, James... Carter says, much as I hate to admit it, I love this GD show. What does he mean by that, Dave? I don't know. Is it like a guilty pleasure? You know, like you're still a mm -hmm. fan of some teeny pop that you used to listen to when you were 12 or that you wear Crocs <laughs> or something of like that. Right. Big debate. Before we can continue, Dusty, where do you stand on Crocs? Oh, Scott knows where I stand on Crocs. They're the worst. Do you hate them? Thank you. I hate them. Thank you. <laughs> and then the bedazzling of them is just even worse now that they do. I don't know if they do that over there, but in the States, people are like putting little trinkets on their Crocs to make them worse than they already were. You can get headlights for them and all oh, sorts yeah. of stupid shit oh, yeah. now. Yeah. Well, you are a man of good taste. <laughs> all right. So we got a question the other week about uh, basically we've, we've had a discussion. It's gone over the last couple shows about how low you need to take your test during your cruise phases. Uh, do you need to go all the way down to TRT? What are the benefits of that? Do you need to cruise at... Speaking of guilty pleasures. Whoa, Dave, what was, what was that song? What was right, that song? Hang on. I'm sorry, guys. I've just got... This is, this is as professional as I think, as you know. All right. If you're making a call, can you put us on mute? Yeah, just talk amongst yourselves. Okay. Well, he didn't put us on mute, but I can turn him down. All right. He's turned down. So anyway, Dusty. <laughs> he did promise it would be uh, different. And, he, <laughs> and he's right. <laughs> he's British. We can't expect that. You know, they're not mm -hmm. civilized. Like, Oh, sorry, guys. Sorry. Sorry for you. We have a lot of British followers. Sorry, guys. I apologize. Um, 
so here's the thing, uh, you know, like I like I was starting to say, we've had uh, this conversation. It's been ongoing. How low do you need to take your test or where should you have your test levels during like a cruise phase when you're trying to get your health markers back in order? Um, I had said that for me, going as low as an actual TRT dose is what I actually needed to get my hematocrit down. OK, mm -hmm. so the question came into play. Well, how do pros uh, maintain all their muscle. And I thought to myself, man, why don't we get Dusty on here? You're an example of somebody who's taken very small amounts of gear and done really well with it, grown a ton of muscle with it. I know that we have guys at the opposite of the spectrum. you got a mm -hmm. lot of pros who are friends, so maybe we won't name names specifically, but it'd be cool to hear some cycles that you know of you know some of the good pros out there at, at the high end and, and stuff like that you're used, you've used in the past too, like the, mm -hmm. the, the low end. So First of all, and I wanted to get I wanted to get uh, Dave on here for this. He needs to hear what your cycle is. So we'll give this a pause. I can, I can do a little cut here, do a little chat, yeah. and then we'll bring it back in. And until then, I guess we'll just <laughs> hang out without Dave. Well, the, the, I think that the interesting thing, since we are kind of semi-live for the seven people, and yeah. we'll come back to, but is um, I think where a lot of confusion lies is... Number one, I don't consider myself low dose. I okay. consider myself short duration. You know, huh. now there are guys who took double and triple what I use that I know of. So um, across the spectrum, obviously there's higher, but I, I always like to point that out because it gets confusing for people because they're like, oh yeah, Dusty says he did a whole career on, you know, 100 milligrams of Anavar. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I try to keep that stuff um, at least honest, you know. So when Dave gets back, I'll get into like what a, a heavy dose for me would be. And that was always pre-contest, you know, okay. so that was the, the, the gap. So you kept it pretty low during your, your growth phases. Yeah. So what we've discussed before, Scott, is the fact that in my opinion, there are three reasons to put on excessive muscle mass. And I say excessive, it just means your body is meant to be a certain size based on genetics, right? Yeah. Anything beyond that, you have to force the issue uh, in up to three ways. So you've got obviously training. Oh, good. Here he comes. This is perfect timing. I'm going to leave him on mute for a minute. It'll really piss him off. Yeah. Just, just lock it in, you know? <laughs> so Hi, Dave. The, the, you're back. He's back. I am. Okay. I'm He's back. back. But as you're saying, um, Dusty, yes. So anyways, the, the three reasons I think that you have to, to grow beyond your natural size are obviously training. Yeah. Forcing the body to grow through putting under stress that's never experienced before. Obviously, from there, you have to feed and recover with that. So that's your food. And then the final thing is drugs. Now, you need, in my opinion, two of the three of those things to make sure you can put on muscle mass um, if you're an enhanced bodybuilder. Okay. So in the off season, obviously we have an excess of calories. So we have that handled on one of the three. Then we have the training. So we have two of the three. We have a reason to put on muscle mass. In the pre-contest phase, obviously the food whittles its way down. That's where the training stays through the roof. And obviously the drugs start to jump. Hmm. And this is the area where people screw up, in my opinion, is during prep they're lazy I like to use, they like to use the word tired. I just use the word lazy <laughs> and they don't want to train hard. Well, if you're not training your nuts off and you're not shooting for, I mean, in my opinion, up until 
for average people, six weeks out, you should be trying to get new high numbers hmm. because your food is perfect. You, there's never another time of year for most of you guys that you're that good on your nutrition. Yeah. Your cardiovascular is through the roof. Your obsession with bodybuilding is probably higher than ever. So yeah. it's your main focus in life. You should be training ass off and growing and you have the gear. So again, two of the three. Problem is a lot of people let themselves be tired and lazy and all of a sudden they're not training as hard, right? Yeah. So now you only have drugs. That's why you see guys lose muscle mass during mm. prep versus other guys who you see literally put muscle on during prep. I've been re you know? I've been there myself. I know I've had preps where I haven't been as strong and I've let myself get weak. And I, I know that I know that I didn't look as good as I could have. And then I've had preps where I've kept the strength. Like I've really fought through up until that bitter end. I can see the difference. And you know what, too? All three of us, we, we all you know work with clients that are getting in shape. Some of them are competing. You can see the difference in people that work their ass off. Dave? Oh, yeah. Like uh, Walter, he's a hard trainer. Walter, yeah. I mean, Walter's consistency has been amazing in this last six to 12 months, but it's taken 12 months to get there. Mm -hmm. um, but his last prep, we came out the back of that. We rebounded him. And because everything's been on point, he was off cycle as in legit TRT for, for four or five months. And he gained. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the other thing as well with within, I mean, I know I'm probably jumping a little bit here, but in bridging between cycles, the length of the bridge affects what you can get away with from a point of supplementation. Mm -hmm. Very few people, if their training is good and their diet is even just reasonable, are going to actually lose any genuine muscle size in six, eight, 12 weeks between cycles. Uh, there'll right. be a few genetic exceptions, but there won't be many. When you start going beyond that, then maintenance can get a little bit more difficult depending on how far above your genetic potential you are from a point of view of your natural potential. Well, and, but, I mean, I, and Dusty I was saying, the, Dusty yeah, was saying though, that he, he would just keep the gear really for contest prep and just focus on the training and the food with low supplementation um, during the off season. So what would so, that look, what would that yeah, low well, supplementation look like? What would the so, numbers be on that? So the first step after a show to me was simple, get health in order because, and, and I'm not even arguing from a standpoint of like life. This is, this is purely selfish bodybuilding mode. Uh, if your body is essentially fighting sickness, yeah. which when you are, stressed beyond the max with cortisol, you know, lack of sleep, lack of nutrients, tons of drugs, your body is under fire. The first thing we want to do after a show is relieve that stress. So obviously sleep becomes a focus. We start bringing in more food, but we want to maximize the back end of growing, you know, because this is a time I'm not a big believer to be honest in rebounds, but I am a believer in the fact that you feel really good in the gym and that's a good time to take advantage and train hard. Yeah. So the first thing I would do is bring my, bring my test down to 200. I mean, within two weeks of a show, because you gotta remember I used to compete twice in a row, six weeks apart. So I've been in shape for two and a half months and running gear for 20 plus weeks. 
you know, it's tapered up. But by the end, I've probably been doing six weeks of like blasting as high as I ever do. Okay. My body, I want that cleared out. So I bring down to 200. I let the food and training take it from there. And we'll go eight, 12 weeks just like that. What I'm looking for at that point is get through the rebound period, get into what I think is more the honest period where, okay, this is flatline base. And is the plan I'm executing working? Am I yeah. putting on muscle mass and seeing strength increases? Nothing drastic, but seeing them increase from the beginning of at 200 milligrams to now. Are everything is everything going well? At that point, you know, we're looking at blood markers. I want to see his health in order. If everything is, then I would start a small cycle. But this is where people I think get thrown off. If I was going to run a cycle in the off season, it would be like 400, 500 milligrams of test and 200 milligrams of DECA. There's my cycle because okay. it's well above TRT. Yeah. This is where I think people like, I don't know why people can't think of percentages. Like if you're taking 200 milligrams, 500 is a ton. Yeah. You know, and, and you got to work it in guys. When you're thinking about drugs, think about like money. You know, if I said, Hey, you know, I pay you a hundred dollars an hour. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and pay you 300 now for 12 weeks per hour. You don't think that's substantial? Yeah. It yeah. is. That's a and great again, way of putting it. Remember, you're eating massively now as well. Your sleep is focused. You've just taken 12 weeks. Your health is prime. And this is the area that people ignore. If you're just bridging, you're never healthy, which mm -hmm. means your body has got its internal fight going on while you're further pummeling it with more drugs, hard training, not enough sleep. You know, it's it's funny, but it's kind of what we talked about with Victoria yesterday. Yeah, you're you're starting with a bank account that's at zero and throwing things at it. Yeah, we want to be in a health mode, just like you would at the beginning of a prep, mm. before you start We've pushing for growth. Always said you need to be healthy to grow. You're not going to grow if you're stressed. You're not going to grow if you're drug toxic. You're not going to grow if you're unhealthy. You can, to an extent, outdrug that, but it is a diminishing return. And the cost can be catastrophic. Prime example, sat here. Um, but yeah, um, the only thing I would like to ask you, actually, seeing you sat in front of me. So I've always been a little bit of the opinion that there is a point pre-comp when more drugs just become more stressful and less beneficial. Mm -hmm. particularly towards the back half of the prep where focus is very much on just maintaining mass and getting leaner. Yeah, I see some of the biggest cycles in comp prep be at the back end of the comp prep. Mm -hmm. And I just wondered where your thoughts were on that. So for me, it was that was exactly what you just said. I mean, essentially... Um, and it wasn't across the board. Anybody who's worked with Chris Cito can tell you, um, no two preps look the same. And it's always based on how things are going. Yeah. So I've had preps where we start a cycle and all of a sudden I'm four weeks out and I'm like, so are we going to add anything, any orals or anything? And he's like, oh, what are we doing now? <laughs> and you tell him and he's like, uh, nah, things are going good. Just leave it. <laughs> You know, and, and I really am glad that my education came through him because of that very reason. Yeah. Because on the flip, there were times where 
you know, I mean, I took, you know, 60 milligrams of Anivar a day for six weeks. And I was already, I mean, just to give you an idea, just to give numbers for people, like my peak uh, dose was a gram of test, 300 Mastron, 300 Trend, and then we brought in a high, what I consider a high dose of Anivar at 60 a day. Um, and we were running four IUs of growth the entire prep. Okay. But towards the end of prep, we bumped, ah, let's throw that growth to six units. Okay. Ah, let's throw that growth to eight units. And my peak was eight. And that was a really interesting prep because literally I came down and wait. I can't remember the numbers. Uh, I'm going to make up numbers that are low on purpose just for the math of it. Where I'm dieting down, I hit like 240, and then I competed at 250. So there was okay. actually a stage where I was 10 pounds less during prep than I weighed in before the show. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the times when we pushed the growth quite a bit higher for six, eight weeks at the end. Um, those are also times, though, just to give everyone a heads up, uh, those old enough to remember, so all five of you. Um, <laughs> like in 2010, we did that, and I had done the Junior Nationals, and I won that, and then we went to USA's, and I weighed in, I want to say 12, 13 pounds heavier at weigh-ins, and... Chris on this prep, we just kept everything running all the way to the end. And I hadn't tanned. I hadn't taken any water changes or anything like that in Vegas. And we weighed in on a, a Thursday. So yeah. I weighed in and they used to snap pictures at the weigh-ins. And it was funny because they took a couple pictures of me at weigh-ins. And I mean, I was paste white, waterlogged, and it went all over the internet that I just apparently couldn't hold the prep. Okay. You know, and it was funny <laughs> because... Uh, I didn't used to watch the forums and stuff, but people were sending them to me. And I'm like, that's yeah, fine. And then we literally went home. It was midday. We pulled the water back to like six ounces per meal. I took a half a diazide. I woke up the next morning down 14 pounds. We took <laughs> one picture. I sent it to Dante. I said, put this on the internet. Yeah. And it was that was probably one of my most well-known pictures of my career because it's one of those situations, and I'm sure you guys have been there, where... I kept getting up to pee in the middle of the night. Yes. And uh, finally, I went and peed. In the, I was in a hotel in Vegas. So it had like a long hallway in the bathroom because I was staying at one of the real nice places. For whatever reason, I was like, uh, let me just flip the light on. Yeah. So I flipped the light around. I turned. I hit like just a most muscular. I went, oh, shit. And I turned the light <laughs> off. I was like, it's going to be a good day because it was probably like my sixth trip to the bathroom that night, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I remember because I woke up in the morning and um, I came out and uh, Chris had come in the room. And I, as soon as I walked out, he goes, oh, OK, like, <laughs> I mean, a drastic difference. But again, that comes from small tweaks at the end. But they're not like it's funny because everybody wants to do something really magical. And like I said, all we had done was we pushed the water all the way up because we found for me that kept the carbs moving into the muscle. Yeah. So, you know, some people will start pulling it out slowly on a Wednesday. I do. Yeah. You know, and I've done that. in half and then they'll yeah. lower it on a Thursday. We used to just pummel mine all the way through to the day before the show yeah. and then cut it down to drinking with, with meals okay. at that moment. And it was as if my body was so used to, because I would drink three gallons a day because I was always starving. It was so used to just pushing that out. It just kept doing it. And literally one half of a diazide and I was 
wrung out by the yeah. next morning. Yeah, between that and, and cutting the water. That's incredible, yeah. man. That's a great freaking story. What Now, what about growth? Because you, you, you talked about increasing that at times through mm-hmm. the, the prep. And I've known some other guys uh, that, that I know guys that you know who have used growth to their advantage. Maybe they were like lower on the anabolics, but then they mm-hmm. pushed the growth higher. What have you seen others do in, in that regard? Like I've, I've heard stories of, you know, really good guys that were using like 12 units, you know, yep. into a show, but then their gear might've been under a gram. Yeah. I think that that's the thing about growth is it's, it was kind of all over the board, what people did. And I always, this is where it gets tricky. And I, I like to have these kind of forums is people ask, is growth overrated? And my answer is yes. Yeah. And then I tell them that I had phenomenal growth re- results taking eight IUs. And they're like, well, you, you just said it was overrated. But what I mean by that is it's not going to make you this freak bodybuilder that you think it is. Yeah. And for most of you, you're priced out. So it's mm. not worth the investment if you don't have that kind of cash laying around, you know what I mean? But I'm not pretending that it didn't play a big role in my jump by late years in bodybuilding. The key was I used four IUs year round, um, seven days a week. That's the other thing. I, I truly believe that all these, oh, take two days off are just things made up by people who couldn't afford to take growth. Yeah. Seven days a week. <laughs> yeah. Now, because there's no science behind that. Like, obviously, I understand that you can get into down regulation and other things. But as far as the growth doing its job, taking two days off a week is just created. Yeah. You know, and overthought. Now, do you think this is like a volumizing effect that you're getting during the prep or, or what? Because that's the one thing I've noticed is that even a lower dose can be you know, beneficial to keep somebody from flattening out. Like the, the more growth you have, the harder it is to, to flatten out. For sure. And, and this is uh, me and my anti-science. I always just looked rounder. Yeah. Like, I mean, literally, you know, all of a sudden you have 3d muscle that wasn't there before, you know? Um, And, and I just, again, I think what made it great for me is I put no thought into it. I just took it because I was told to, with no expectation. And then the mirror or the camera told me what it did. You know what okay. I'm saying? So it, I wasn't really reading into it much. Um, but, you know, to, to get back to, to Dave's question, my biggest thing was as the diet got harder and we were pushing down, Chris would always just add gear and it was never an issue. But again, when your peak is, you know, like I said, the highest we ever did was a grandma test, which we actually found didn't really benefit me. So 750 later, my career became my sweet spot where I just didn't see a difference. It's not like I felt bad. I was just like, why yeah, am I spending like 25% more money? You weren't getting like so, side effects or anything like that. No, I wasn't getting sides and I wasn't seeing improvement. So it became one of those things where I was like, well, what's the point? Because again, I, I love math. To me, it's like, if it's 25% more that I'm taking, there yeah. should be a noticeable difference in results. And if there's not, then I don't see the point. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like that's where people get thrown off is they they don't like to look at data. What's happening with your body when you are on these other doses so you can decide if it's worth it. You know, I really think a lot of young bodybuilders, the idea is just throw the kitchen sink at it and 
that should get the job done. You know, yeah. as, as you know, I mean, regularly I have clients that send in cycles that are bigger than I've ever done. And I'm like, <laughs> you're 206 pounds and 5'8". Yeah. You're not a small, structured man. Why are you taking two grams of gear and you're 200 and something pounds? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, not the, it's not the answer that they hope it would be. You know, and, and like we were discussing yesterday, drugs hide mistakes. And that's the part that people don't get. You know, the question that you had asked me in the beginning that we've yet to touch is how do guys come down to TRT dose and hold their size? Well, they hold their size because it was developed on training and food. That's the part that people get confused on. If the only time you put on muscle mass is when you're on a ton of drugs, then drugs is the sole thing responsible for that. So, of course, if you remove them, you shrink and you shrink quickly. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I feel like if there's anything I can try to offer is for for having muscle mass, I have good genetics. It ain't pretty, but being big is, is something I can do. Um, I don't run cycles anymore. I haven't taken growth in six years. I'm sorry. And, uh, you know... I don't need to to hold mountain size. Like I used to joke, like Dante and I used to argue, further proof that he's smarter than me, that I could get down to 240 pounds within a year of just lowering the doses down. Yeah. You know, I have still, other than when I was sick, I have not been under 270 pounds. You just sent Once. us a text to Ron and I the other day. You were like, what, 285? Yeah. <laughs> without, without trying, really. Like, what are you, you're not eating a lot now. No, I eat like four or so times a day. Um, I, and I'm start, the, the, what happened was um, Nikki hired Ron because she's going to compete again next year. And I had no – it was it actually worked out really good. I didn't want to prep her. And yeah, that was we a both smart just move. agreed it's easier to let someone else. So I called Ron, put him on the spot, said, hey, I need you to do this. And now that she has a goal that puts her back on stage, my training intensity kicked up. Okay. Because okay. now we have to train harder because she wants to put muscle back on and – you know, it's one of those things, if you're a good training partner, you say to yourself, well, I can't be the thing that slows down her progress. Yeah. So I have to start training harder. I got to do a little cardio and get my cardiovascular back in shape just to be able to push her along. That's good. As soon as I started training harder again, I got a little more hungry. So I started eating a little bit more. Okay. And next thing you know, like uh, this morning, I was 287. And I'm like... I'm not meant to be light, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's going to take a... Uh, I mean, it's funny because Dante and I talked about it because I do eventually want to shrink down just because I don't need to be that heavy at my age, but it's going to require sacrificing the fact that I love to train hard and mm. actually purposely eating too little protein Yeah, because you know how it is. I mean, as bodybuilders for 15 plus years, when you eat, it's a substantial amount of protein and I mean, you eat like a bodybuilder forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I would that never eat a meal away. that didn't have like 10 ounces of protein in it. Like, it but, just wouldn't make sense to not have a no. protein. Like, let's just have some crackers. No. It's got to have yeah, protein exactly. at the base. So there yeah, is one thing I, I one thing I will want to get around to is that some of the audience is probably going to be saying like, well, I don't have the genetics Dusty does. I have to use more gear than that. We're not discounting that whatsoever. But before we do, like to talk about the lowest uh, Dave doesn't know what your first cycle was, so I wanted to make sure while we had him here again for a minute. Uh, no, I'm back. I was sorted. Sorry about that. That's all right, man. 
I wanted I wanted you to tell Dave. I want to see the look on his face when he found out your first cycle and the progress you made on it. Well, I went I went big, Dave, because I was a rich man. Uh, that is pure sarcasm. And uh, my first cycle was ten Primo amps. I did one a week, and I think I put on twenty six pounds. You drug abusing person, you. And you know the best part about that was figuring out as your first cycle how to open those ampules. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You need to you get know? one of those, uh, like one of the a pen cap. That's the answer. Oh no, no, you need you. Oh, everyone has this. They all know what they need. Wait till I tell you what I ended up doing once I okay. figured it out. I've lost, I've so I would just oh, gosh, grab a. Uh, I just grabbed a towel. Yeah. Right under my fingers, and I would just squish the top. You just crush it crush it and then move the towel over and now i have an open bottle that yeah. i could pull it out with because finessing it i was like i'm gonna break this thing yeah. filing it i was like and then one day i was like i wonder if i could just squish the part that's under my fingers yeah totally pro tip, so, i don't have a ballpoint pen with a cap look at this he's got a, the, he's got a, oh what is that a dolphin yeah what is this dolphin <laughs> day <laughs> so the amp neck goes in there okay right in between the fin and the wheel Score it round, then you place the hole over the size of the amp and pop and it off. I or, never knew that dolphins were involved. Me either. You can use, <laughs> you can use one of these. What's that? What is this? So the amp goes in the end there. Wow. Plunger pushes up. It's got a direction line up with the dot, and then you just snap and then release. Wow, the, how about that? That's so a fancy tool. You're saying that me just squishing it in my fingers <laughs> with a towel was not the most efficient way? I did years of that. <laughs> <laughs> There's the truth. There's the um, truth. If, for the really bad ones, you used to get those that were, obviously they weren't genuine, um, and the glass was always super thick. And right. I used to run the neck on a house brick on the edge of the house to score. <laughs> oh, my God. He's outside talking to the neighbor about his yard. Your yard looks great. What are yeah. you doing? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> or the step, the stone step. And I used to score them on that to weaken them and then snap them. But yeah, no. I did that before the file. Like I had a little file to kind of go around the edge. I didn't step outside of the house with it, though. But then again, gear's legal over there, Dave. So, you know, you're just minding your own business. Yeah. Yeah. I just there. I just didn't have any exposed bricks inside the house. I had no choice but to go out and get the grit. There's no option. <laughs> I love it. So let's let's say for basic like guys that are literally just starting up, we've gotten questions from people that are like, "Hey, I want to start gear." And some of them some of them are younger guys, some of them are older guys. We've got plenty of guys who are like, "Hey, I'm 40. My t my test levels are low." Um, I think it's time that I go on TRT and I want to run a cycle. You know, the chances of you guys having genetics like Dusty is probably going to be pretty rare. That said, I don't think that we should just go out slamming a bunch of gear, right? To, to mm -hmm. Especially to start out. Um, I mean, we know, Dave, what you've recommended because we, we talk about gear basically every week on this show. But Dusty, where would you suggest somebody started out to find out, even to assess, like, how am I going to respond? Well, the first thing is this. Um, nowadays, you have to ask a question you didn't used to have to ask, which is, have you used pro-hormones or pro-steroids in the past? The mm. things that you used to be able to buy in the stores. Yeah. Because if you have, 
you've run a cycle. Yeah, or SARMs. It's just the truth. Like it used to be if someone came to me and said they were natural, then anything they had bought in a store legally meant they were natural because it didn't do shit. It didn't matter. You know what I mean? So you would put them on something and boom, drastic results. But if you've run, I mean, this is again, aging, but some of these guys have done like the over the counter super draws and all these things back in the day. Uh, You know, the methyl one tests, those types of things. I'm like, You've done an oral cycle now, so you can't expect to see that first cycle gain ever again. You already had it. Yeah. You know, but assuming you haven't done those things, I literally just had a guy that I've worked with for years do his first cycle, and we did 200 milligrams of test. And he's 26. Okay. Um, and it was a massive improvement for him. I mean, he quickly understood why people get addicted to steroids yeah to testosterone and it was 200 milligrams now he did not put on 30 pounds um but he put on like 12 good pounds uh during a 12-week cycle and that's huge you know so and a massive amount obviously some water with that but you know if, if he walked out of that to me with six to eight pounds that's a great first cycle and i had to also remind him you will never see those gains again yeah on yeah. 200 milligrams of test. You know what I mean? But that's a great starting point. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, like you said, say it's a guy whose levels are low. My advice would first be do TRT to get you to normal. So you can find out what that feels like. Yeah. And see where that puts you because you also want a little bit of data for your future. And he's going to find out that 150 to 200 milligrams puts him at the high end of normal, you know, 900 or so uh, blood work wise. You know what I mean? Then at that point, you can just say to yourself, again, let's go simple. 200 puts you to normal or within range. I have no issue with a guy like him just saying 400. Boom. Double it. Yeah, That's a big jump again. And I know that people would say, "Eh, not really, but it's literally double what he, you know, would need to be at normal. And again, that's essentially equivalent to handling, handing a rookie. 200 that's never done anything you will see massive change and for those who wonder why i push that way it's not that i'm anti-gear it's you don't want to come back down so you're better off to take 200 milligrams and go it was good but i want to take a little more next time right here's where you have to go long distance in my opinion cool then take 50 percent more which is 300 inch your way up to see the changes. You know what I mean? Because I can promise you this. If you come out the gate with 600 milligrams, you will never want to go below that. Yeah. Yeah. And, I and you could the, have seen massive change with less. Go ahead. I think I think the other thing about that approach is that it forces more focus on progress from the training and diet. Mm-hmm. Too many people will sit on drugs. And, and I've said this quite openly. If you want to run extra drugs to compensate for the fact that you're training shit or your diet shit, that's your choice. But just don't don't lie to yourself about what you're doing. That's always been my issue around it. Whereas, you know, people say, "Well, I can't gain on two hundred You can. In most cases, it's just that you're not paying enough attention to your diet, or you're not paying enough to your training. So, if you want to run five or six because you're trying to offset the fact that those two factors aren't where they need to be. Mm-hmm. that's your choice. You're an adult, you're a human being, you have the choice to make. 
but just don't lie to yourself about the reasons why. Because well, that's where also, the problem started come. But also don't be confused as to why you cannot believe that some of these other guys are coming down to 200 milligrams and maintaining. Mm, yeah. yeah. No, it, because it, for you, you're taking away the only thing. This is what we, Scott and I talked about when we were here. You're taking away the only thing that was letting you grow, which was high amounts of drugs. Yeah. Because you're not training hard and your nutrition is shit. So, no, of mean, course, when you remove that, you're going to lose a bunch of weight. But if your nutrition was awesome and your training was off the charts and you're taking, I mean, hell, let's say you're experienced, you're taking 800 milligrams of test and 400 EQ. When you come off that cycle and come down to 200 milligrams, you're not going, people are not going to see you on the street and go, oh, he's off. Yeah. I no. mean, I was going on and off my entire career and traveling the world at events and no one ever knew which side of the coin I was on. No, you know, I, I completely agree. I've always said the same. If you, with, apart from a few very rare exceptions, and they are rare, if you lose size post-cycle, it's because your training or your diet aren't where they need to be. It is as simple as that. You are mm -hmm. not going to drop a shit ton of size post-cycle. If you crash that way post-cycle, i.e. you start dropping weight left hand over fist, then you never had the muscle in the first place. Yeah. Um, it was chemically supported. Or it was water. I remember being 355. Well, I was 365. I came off. I came off off. PCT'd the work. And I was. I dropped out of 355 and held. Right. And I held there for a good 8, 10 weeks before I decided to go back on and push again. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's... I don't have super amazing genetics. I have decent genetics, but they're not outstanding. I right. mean, I, 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 well, there's never been no secret. I hammered the living shit out of drugs because I wanted to see what it would do and what I could do with it. Mm -hmm. I, I've always had a good potential to train hard, but, but diet's not always been my Achilles heel, always has been, always will be. Right. It, it, it's, it's never been a case of not being able to eat the right food. It's just been a case of not being able to eat the lesser amount of the right food. That was always my problem. <laughs> I got a question for both of you guys. And this was one of our listeners had asked. He said, and it was the situation that I mentioned a minute ago. So he said that he's like, hey, my, my test levels are low. I, Dave, it was in UK ranges. I think it was like, I think he said 12 p-mol. Does that sound right? It's n-mol. Um, it is low. So generally speaking, our, our lower limit will be somewhere between 6.9 and 8, depending on age. Um, and he was in his 40s. Yeah, TRT will generally start as consideration privately around 11. So 12. He's right he on the cost. He's low end, but he's not super, super low. But it's low enough to make him feel a bit shitty and not quite have the pep of life that he would like, definitely. So he said... I'm, Here's what he said. He's like, I, so I'm thinking what I want to do is jump on um, a TRT, uh, but I also want to do a cycle. So I'm thinking I'm going to take 300 tests, and then after 10 weeks, then I'm going to come down to TRT. And I wanted to ask both of your opinions on what do you think about doing it that way versus doing the TRT first? I had my own thoughts, but I wanted to get your opinions on this. Well, I think me and Dusty are going to say exactly the same fucking thing. <laughs> TRT first. Because... Yeah. You you might be surprised with what you're capable of when your hormones are sat in 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 Enmol terms, sort of mid twenties. Yeah. Um, you you might be you know surprised what you're capable of and what you can achieve. And I have had people that have gone 
wanted to do a cycle and I've pushed them onto TRT first. And then they've come back and said, you know what? I'm not bothering with the cycle now. I'm really happy where I am. Right. Um, and like you say, the problem's going to be that the 300 to then try and drop back down a TRT, he's going to be, well, my libido's not what it was. This is not what it was. Well, no, because your libido was artificially high. That isn't normal. And I think this is where yeah. a lot of people fuck up as well. I, I want to go on TRT and they see all this online bullshit about, oh, I'm shagging like a rabbit every five minutes. I feel amazing. If you're going to replicate natural hormone levels or within natural range at sensible levels, there are going to be days when you feel like shit and there are going to be days when your bleed is not going to be blowing through the roof because mm -hmm. that's normal. Right. When you start pushing above that, you start to get artificially elevated levels and they are addictive and they are difficult to come back down from. Um, so I definitely would say TRT first, um, see where he feels uh, and then make a decision based on that. And the other thing is, Get the fine-tuning of the TRT out of the way first so you know where you need to be post-cycle. Otherwise, you're coming down from cycle and you're going to be trying this dose and then trying that dose. And if you go from 300 to 150, say, for argument's sake, as a TRT dose in, you're going to stay elevated for a long period of time unless you put a firewall break in there to let your levels drop first before you then pick up the TRT. Yeah, um, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I, I assume you were kind of in the same place with that, Dusty. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's that one to me is pretty cut and dry. Plus, you got to remember, you say he was a forty-something-year-old guy. Yeah. So <clears throat> you're looking at quality of life across the board, not just bodybuilding. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. The what other thing I would like to make a quick point, if it's okay, people don't realize American doses don't translate to UK. Interesting. Genetically, UK have a lesser tolerance for higher tests. Americans have a better tolerance for higher tests. Uh, and I see this all the time. The conversion of, say, 1100 into Enmol would put people out of UK range. I see loads and loads of people stateside keeping their NGDL around the 1100 mark and not having major issues. You put someone in the UK on that, they're going to have thick blood very quickly they're going to have fucked up hdl and they're going to start mm -hmm. struggling with high estrogen as well so you've got to be relative to where you put your ranges to your genetic populace it is not transferable from country to country different countries different genetic backgrounds result in different hormone tolerances right that's the other thing too is you always want to make sure you are getting blood work done this is the part i've never understood that people uh, resist blood work. I'm like, when you were a kid and you were in school and you were doing the test and you knew the answers were in the back of the book, you always double checked. Why would you not double check with your hormone levels? Like, yeah. why would you not want to know? Because they all affect each other. That's the thing that drives me crazy is people act like shooting their test through the roof. The only thing that changes is your test. No. Everything moves. So the only way to really manage your hormones correctly is to get the answers. But, you know, it's like people like to say, I feel fine. What do you mean you feel fine? You might be dying. I felt you know? fine. I mean, kidneys were at stage four failure. <laughs> yeah, yeah Dave exactly. Has some, Dave has some health stuff because he, 
he pushed the gear. I mean, you were, you were, you tell, tell, uh, Dusty how much you were using David at your peak. About 500 tests a week. Yeah. How <laughs> much? Sorry, sorry, uh, sorry. Twice a day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my biggest was three gram of test, 1.5 gram of trend. Holy. That's a hell of a cycle. And how much growth? Okay, I am. I haven't finished yet. 27 IU of growth and 120 IU of slim. <laughs> Dave was a big guy. Dave, I mean, you're, he has a tall stature too. And you have, right, a, like, you have a, like a large genetic build. His grandfather was a, uh, a butcher who would like take the side of beef and just throw it over his shoulder and walk it into the butcher shop. So that's the kind of person we're talking about. But he got to 415 pounds. It wasn't pretty. But he got to 415 pounds at his biggest. That, see, now, I think that this is the, I mean, I, I do find this interesting, though, because there had to be a point in hindsight where you were just taking more. Yes, yes. And I've said that openly. There was a point where my mindset shifted. And this, this is one of the things that I don't think is ever discussed enough is an maybe not a question for today, but I'd like to discuss with you from a mindset point of view about dropping size and how mm -hmm. you feel you'll cope with that mentally. Uh, I, but there is, there was a point where my focus shifted. Now I've always been very training focused. I never took gear to get big. I took gear because I wanted to train harder. That was why I originally right. started using. Right. Um, there was a point of mindset shift where it became all about what more drugs could I take? Right. Not, not what could I do to improve my training? How could I train harder? How could I get more food in? How could I be more efficient with my diet? And my diet was clean. It was just shit loads of it. Right. Um, and that was the start of a spiral that didn't last very long. The one I have two, Lucky-ish traits, but one is a, a bit of a blessing in disguise. I'm very drug tolerant, mm -hmm. so I don't get sides. Uh, but as a result of that, I get no warning signs that damage is being done. Right. Um, and then the other sort of thing was um, I'm quite self-aware. So I wasn't long down that rabbit hole of drug for sake of drugs before I suddenly went, whoa, hang on a minute. This is completely the wrong mindset here. What the f heck am I doing? Right. Um, and that was, right, brakes on, stop, job done. And it was quite literally that. I was sat at the toilet, and I've told this story a million times. It was about 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. It may have been slightly because I was doing time shots. And you broke and I was the toilet? And no, that was later. No. And I was doing a growth, I was doing a growth hormone shot, and I just went, "What the fuck am I doing?" And at that point, and it stopped, and it stopped there. And I had no issue with stopping. I had no problems with stopping. Dropping strength and size was a little bit more challenging, mm -hmm. but the actual stopping the drugs, boom, done there and then. Never went back on since. Right. Um, yes. <laughs> I just, I mean, I'll be honest with you. My, my first thought when I think of those kind of numbers is, where do you put it? Yeah, everywhere. everywhere. Like, I mean, because when I think about, like I said, I mean, when I think about taking upward, you know, so a gram of test a week. So, you know, for those paying attention, you know, five milliliters and then six milliliters of the other two, the master on the trend, you know, three and three. That's a lot. 
to put in places in my head. 1600 yeah. milligrams is like, where does this all go? Spread out through the week, trying not to create scar tissue, trying not to be pushing through cement. Yeah. And then when I, so literally every time I hear guys that are taking grams of gear, my first thought is, where does it go? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, um, it's like, I don't have any of my right toe right now. Let's yeah. put some there. I mean, yeah. <laughs> medial delt. Both bicep heads, two tricep heads, calves, glutes, Ooh, quads. Calves. calves, oh, quads. Yeah, those are areas like it's it's funny and I totally understand, obviously, but you know, those are the things that I enter my brain too. I'm like, man. Yeah. And I was always I think because truthfully, and this isn't some like anti drugs were always a hassle to me. Taking shots was like, ah. <laughs> oh. I got to take my shots. Like it was, I don't know why, as if it takes a huge amount of time or anything. It's no big deal. But yeah. I always was that way. It was just such a pain to do. I didn't want to mess with it. But eating six meals a day, seven meals a day for 15 years was fine. You know, yeah. I just never I mean, thought that they were sexy, I guess. That was the, the truth of the matter was I looked at them as a necessary evil um, to do what I wanted to do. And again, I say evil. It makes it sound like I think it's a terrible thing. It's not that. Just... It, you know, that's why I laughed, Scott, when you're like, oh, we should have you on the show. I'm like, it's the only thing I don't care about is drugs. It's yeah. boring. Like, well, I, I you thought, want to and talk thought, about food and these things, it's exciting. But I guess it's a, it should be a, a driving point for people. Like, yes, I never cared. Like, people would be like, oh, what time do you take this? I'm like, I would take it when I wouldn't forget. That yeah. was my big thing. Like, you know what? Like, I used to take growth at night. And it turns out I was taking it at the right time, according to other people's research. I just took it at night because I wouldn't forget. I would take my sleep aid, take my growth, and go to bed. Yeah. But there was no like reason. And I people are like, oh, you know, I take two before this and this. I'm like, oh, that sounds awful. That sounds like appointments yeah. I'm making for myself. I don't want to yeah. do that. And that's the reason I, it is the reason I wanted to have Jan, you know. I mean, because there's gonna be a spectrum of how much gear people are gonna need to achieve their goals. You know, we're not mm -hmm. saying that's not true. But For sure. I think it's important to understand that when you're looking at people who are at the high end, people who are able to turn pro and Dusty, you're the first person to to say like you aren't like the best pro there ever was. You could grow a ton of muscle, but, it, it, you know, you weren't like going for the Olympia, you know, and, and there are guys that are like well beyond your level was that are that have your mindset. A hundred percent. And I know those guys, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. so I think it's important that we get this message across and the well, guys who also do have the long, the most longevity, the guys who Scott. have the most longevity too, though, are the people like this, that you can try to compete with dusty, you know, it, it, but it's only going to last so long when you don't have to do anything. And I've got to run three grams to keep up, you know? Well, I think that that's what I was going to say too, is there's, there's two things also that I, that I, that I know for a fact, and I, I would love to use names, but I'm not going to do that. Um, there is an assumption when people look at a, I'm going to list names, but when they look at a Paco Batista or a Branch Warren or this guy or that guy, and they say, oh, man, he's on a ton of drugs. Yeah. Based on his look. Well, it's now, based on their inability to perform at the level required yeah. to grow. That's the bottom line. They need an excuse but, to justify their own failing. Yeah, but here's the interesting thing. Uh, of those people that I just listed, one of them I know very well was a moderate dose guy his entire career. 
Hmm. His muscle looked that way because of how he trained. On the other end of the spectrum, I know a couple of guys who have the pretty flowing, God-given physique that run a ton of shit. Hmm. So people get this confusion. They think you can spot drugs. Mm. Oh, this guy takes so much because look at him. No, nah, it's just how his muscle looks. And he trains a certain way. But I can mimic Cedric McMillan, flex wheelers, food, cycle, training. I will not look like them at all. In fact, I wouldn't even look like me because I got to train way harder <laughs> for my muscle to look like this. Do you know what mm, I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. I think that those are the things that drive me a little bit bananas that I like to point out because do not think that you know. Like I'm sure most people just look and they go, "Nick Walker's on a ton." Yeah. Okay. The reason I point him out, I have no idea. I have no idea what Nick does, but I would never assume just because he's a monster that he is. Might well, be, I- might not be. I don't know. But the point is, don't look at people and say, he's way better than me, so he must be taking more. Yeah, That's because my he's taking argument. More. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's just not the way it works out. And again, might be. I don't know. But the bottom line is, that's people love to hamstring themselves and just say, well, I would be as big as Dusty, but he's on five grams of tests. So and I'm not willing to do I'm that. I'm not willing to do yeah. that, so I feel better. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, it's like, no – and and back to things that drive me crazy and, I, and I'm going to list him because I love him but like for example Jordan he puts yeah. out the, the amounts of doses he uses I appreciate that he's being up front but what I don't like about it that's not his fault is people go see Jordan tells the truth Dusty's a liar yeah Jordan, okay. Jordan, Jordan doesn't tell the truth you know but point being is just this, this, this it's comfortable to say see they're all doing that yeah. You know what I mean? And that's why I would never, like, I know my close friends and what they do. And coincidentally, some of them are some of the best the world has ever seen. And even I'm like, wow, you really don't take much of anything. That is frightening. Well, I can, <laughs> like, I you know, it. lower than me. And I'm like, you would annihilate me on stage. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you remember Sean Tavernier? Yeah. One of rookie course. of the year. Sean might as well have been fucking natural for the amount of drugs he took. Right. It was insanely nothing. Insanely nothing. Frustratingly, annoyingly so nothing. Um, Zach. Zach's not a huge user. Yeah, Zach Khan. There's there's a guy that people would say, oh, he's on the kitchen sink for sure. He talked about his gear use here, and he he was pretty moderate, you know? Yeah, Yeah. he's he's, he's sub two gram. Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, I think that's I, good to point out to people. He's he was one of the biggest freaks of his time, mm-hmm. and sub two gram. And there are kids taking two plus grams of test. Yeah, huh? and they're I mean, not I, even at a state level show yet. Yeah, I abused the living shit out of it, but it was a deliberate, conscious thing. I, I didn't take five grams or four and a half grams because I thought I needed it to grow. I took it because I wanted to see what it would fucking do. Right. And I know that might sound very cavalier and very casual, but it, I genuinely was just experimenting on myself as to, right, what happens prior to those two, and I did two big cycles. I'd not gone over, well, really, 1.2, 1.5 was my max. Right. 
Um, but they were, and I know it sounds mad in a way, but they were literally experiments to see what high doses would do to people because there was no data. Nobody was talking about it. Nobody would say. Right. Um, and the only way I was going to find out was to do it. So I did. That's a, that's a hell of a risk right there. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm good with the world not knowing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I'm very, very accepting of what I did, where I was and where it's put me. And I have no regrets. And, and I genuinely, honestly, if I had my time again, I would probably do it again. Right. Well, that's the magic, right? I mean, even knowing I think where that I am that's now. The, the thing that I like about that when you're on a show like this is for people to at least think about it. Because exactly. I do feel like that's where things get missed is we get caught up in the now, what we want. And I want to turn pro or I want to be 20 pounds bigger or whatever. And, you know, something that I've said very regularly to clients is people underestimate what can be done in five years and overestimate what can be done in 12 weeks. Hmm. I, I think the other thing <laughs> yeah. as well is, is I, I, I'm going to use me as an example, but it, I, th I think there's an important point at the back of it. I set off to see how big I could get. I didn't have a number. I didn't have a measurement. It was literally, let's see how big we can get. And let's see what happens when we take these magic doses that people talk about three grams, four grams, five grams. I eventually put the number of 400 pounds on it because people couldn't conceptualize what being as big as possible was going to look like. And they needed mm. some numerical value. To an extent, that did become a target. Um, I remember stepping on the scales, and I had to use the scales in a paper mill because I couldn't get any that went high enough. Um, and they measured 415. Right. Now, this is three years, three and a half years of my life solely dedicated to this one endeavor. Right. And I remember on the lead up to it, having this image in my head that, that almost, and it sounds stupid when you say it out loud, but, and I think a lot of people have this image that when I achieved this magic number, this magic goal, that the heavens would open, the clouds would part, a beam would come down on me, and the world would accept me as his savior. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's a, a comical exaggeration. But the point is, we 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 set these targets thinking that they're going to be dramatic changes to us and the world we live in. And the really reality of it was, there was a sad forty odd year old man stood on a fucking paper mill weighing scale. Weighing four hundred and fifteen pound with a foot well not fucked out at that point, but foot kidneys and for what? Nobody gives a shit. Right. And that's yeah, the reality. That's how um you know that that's the reality that for most people the goal that they think is gonna transform their world will come and pass with very little recognition from anybody but themselves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and your girlfriend doesn't care. Your girlfriend doesn't care how big you are. <laughs> she, she probably rather you not, to be honest, because yeah, spend more time, time with you, her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and the reality of that is, is that worth your health? Now, for me, it wasn't the damage to me that was the point. It was the education to others that was the point. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, I. 
yeah, that was that was the end goal. That was let's see what it does and let's relate this to other people so they know this is what happens when you take the fucking piss. I think though the the, the factor um, that I would that, that's bothersome to me in the truth of all of this is those who are going to do it are going to do it anyways. Sure, mm-hmm. doesn't matter that you did that, and those who are paying attention to their health don't need that information because <laughs> that's they know. true too you know so it's like it's it's one of those tricky things where i really think that you know people just need to be straight with themselves on why they're doing what they're doing i don't judge what someone chooses to do but i hope they take a second to think because um you know permanence of, of life ending no one cares until it's too late it's the same in relationships no one cares about cheating and all these things so their wife's moving out. And then they're like, oh, shit. I didn't think that this is not a good trade. It's not worth it. You know what I mean? And yeah. I just hope that people start to just, again, I don't care what you decide to do. But be mindful because I can tell you right now that having, uh, you know, touched death for a moment and waking back up, when yeah. you come back through, you look and go, okay. What are the things I would do different? What are the things I would do the same? And uh, mind you, I went right back to bodybuilding. I went hmm. right back to training. And a lot of people, when they would hear my, I hate to say these terms, but my message about living life, they're like, well, then why are you living so selfishly? And I'm like, what do you mean selfishly? I love to bodybuild. It also allows me to reach more people and share what I enjoy doing. And based on the reaction that w- that took place of my near death, I found out that bodybuilding was helping more people than I realized. Hmm. So it became something to focus on. But I also realized it didn't require 24 hours of my day, seven days of my week to be a good bodybuilder. And I could allocate time to other things that mattered more. And you know, as I sit here with, like I said, Scott, I mean, I've been training, I'd say I'm about 70% intensity that I used to be. Yeah. And it's drastically up from what I was two weeks ago. And I am planning on going all the way back up to 100% on the intensity. But I also just said I was 286 pounds this morning. Do you say so, you don't plan to go back up to the 100%? Oh, no, or I you do. do. I you want, do. I want to get all okay. the way back. Yeah. Because okay. now, it's, now it's addicting. I just want to, you know, because the training is what I fell in love with. Yeah. And that's the part I think that makes um, people who will never regret bodybuilding, in my opinion, are those who truly love it. Like, I, I, I will be doing this when no one cares. Like, I love to go to the gym and train. And now that I've got a reason to push that hard again, it's fun again. I mean, I'm yeah. hobbling around the house. I'm like, I haven't hobbled around in forever. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. You know? I'm looking at the truck going, maybe the lift wasn't the best idea. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of when John Meadows got on the show one time and he said, man, we had this leg day and I am old school sore. I don't remember if that was with you or not. He's like, man, I'm old school sore. Like sit down on the toilet and it's sore. Oh, yeah. Like, yes. I like that feeling. I, yeah. Old I'm looking forward sore. to that, you know, but I, I, I did need a-, a reason to do it again. You know, like I realized that like. I'm already, I train harder and I'm stronger than everyone in the gym yeah. at the level I was at. 
so there was no reason, you know what I mean? And now I'm like, well, her goal is important to me. I have a reason to be a psychopath again, and I can see it. I'm like, oh, this feels good. I, I remember this person. He was That'll fun. make for good podcasting, too. You know, you being yes. more into bodybuilding gets you excited to talk about bodybuilding. It'll be great for the And then show. I can also do them like this, laying down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I, gonna, I think for, yeah, yeah, I think for a lot of people, the, the motivation isn't training, and that's where the problem starts. The... Yeah. You love training. I always enjoyed the training. That was what made me push hard. Everything else was a sidestep to that. Um, mm -hmm. There were times when that wasn't priority, but it always comes back to that at the end of the day. And I think that's where a lot of people that get involved with bodybuilding, they don't have that first love of training. They look at this image of what they want to achieve and not actually love the process of achieving it, which is training. And so you end up with, we've got, loads of people that are very drug reliant um mm -hmm. i'm very simply so i don't give a shit what people do i only ask that they make an informed choice about what they do all right um, know what you're gonna do. i've got one more question and for yes. dusty now we've been doing this thing lately that we've been calling uncle dave's advice basically one day i just asked dave i was like dave just give us some dad advice Something that has nothing, it doesn't have to do anything with bodybuilding. It could be as simple as like, make sure you remember to brush your teeth. But to close us out, we need <laughs> one piece of Uncle Dusty advice before we go. One piece of Uncle Dusty advice. Ah, da, 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 da. I'll put you on the spot okay. here. No, this yeah. is easy because I'm just trying to decide which one to be honest with you. <laughs> um, my my uh, advice is for bodybuilders. The first step to being a good bodybuilder is making enough money from your career that you can afford it. So there you go. That's the, that's the magic advice. And the extension to that is it's scary to me the amount of people who think that bodybuilding is going to change their life. And they spend 10, 15 years devoted to bodybuilding and wake up at 30, 35 years old and have no career path, no skills, no nothing. You can build an entire career, a family, multiple businesses while bodybuilding. And that way it's not hindering the rest of your life to be a bodybuilder. So and that's how you keep it. expensive, make some money. And that's how you keep it in your life too. That's good advice. Absolutely. Uh, guys, we'll have uh, Dusty's Instagram down below. And um, of course, if you go to Mutant, use code Dusty20. Don't use Ron. Big yeah, Ron, Ron 20, 20 this week. does not work. Big it doesn't Ron even does work. work. It doesn't even work. <laughs> and of course, go to evalbloodanalysis.com. If you're in the UK, you can get your lab work done by Dave. In fact, Dave, I did have, you know what, really quick, is this test available in the UK? Because um, this guy asked, I want to make sure we got an answer to him. Um, he says uh, the, a, what is it, APO A1? in APO B? Yes, it is. We don't currently do it, but I think Medichex do. So try Medichex because they have a huge range of testing.
Okay, go there for that. Otherwise, go check out Dave, evalbloodanalysis.com. Thank you to everybody from Patreon. I know you guys had a couple questions. We'll be sure to get to them as we get back to our normal Q&A next time. Um, once again, shout out to truenutrition.com, our title sponsor. I'm wearing my True Nutrition shirt today. The first company that believed in our programming and what we do uh, long before anybody else. You can help to support us by supporting them. Use our code THINK at your checkout. Get lots of great supplements. Hell of a deal over there and great stuff. Um, Strom Sports Nutrition, for those of you in the UK, great health stacks especially. Check out everything they've got. And uh, supplementsource.ca for our Canadians. I think I saw a granite product there for like 20 bucks not too long ago. So they have great closeout deals, label changes, all of that stuff. All right, guys, for another episode of Drugs and Stuff, we will see you soon. Oh, and go to Dave for coaching too, and Dusty or myself. You can reach out to any of us. We'll talk to you guys. Thank you. Thank you.